0: So um, we've been in this series on gospel storytellers, or as Emily Joy called it, the collage of Christmas. Uh, We tend to think about the Christmas story of Jesus as sort of this one unified narrative, you know, begins with... Uh, Mary receiving a visit from Gabriel and then um, Joseph getting the visit from the angel Gabriel and, and then she's pregnant and then she you know, duh, 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 on the way to the, the inn and the stable and having the baby and, and um, Herod and the wise men and all of this is one synchronous synthesized story. But um, actually, we don't have one unified story. We have four Gospels that each put their own spin and interpretation of what happened in Jesus' origins. So each week for this uh, month of Advent, we are focusing on a different gospel interpretation of the origins of Jesus. Last week, we focused on Mark. And Mark doesn't have anything to say about Jesus' nativity. Jesus, the adult, comes up to be baptized. That's the beginning, according to Mark. Not important about Mary or the virgin birth or or any of this stuff that we hear about in Matthew and, and Luke and so on. So today, we're in Matthew, and Matthew gives us this great word, Emmanuel, a word that means God is with us. So that's what I'm thinking about today, Emmanuel, God with us. In my very, very humble opinion, I think that Emmanuel is one of the best things that Christianity gives the world of ideas. I think it's one of the best ideas that Christianity has offered the world. There are a lot of bad ideas that Christianity has offered the world over time. Um, True, but... I think Emmanuel is one of the very best ideas. This idea that God is with us. It's an earth-shatteringly simple and profound concept to think that God, in all of God's greatness and eternal splendor, the mighty power and grandeur of God, God is big and goes on forever and ever, and yet God chose to come down and inhabit one Human life. That's, like, that's amazing. I can't even fathom that when I think about that. I love that idea. I tend to think about God to this day even as being like way out, distant, far away, removed from here, cosmic, big. I basically assume that God is not someone that I can readily relate to. Probably God isn't someone who can readily relate to me. But then you have this story of Jesus, grounded in this crazy notion that God wanted to become a human being, and so did. God chose Mary and Joseph as parents. Infusing the power of the Holy Spirit with the power of a mother's womb and the power of a father's denial and willingness to hide a scandalous situation. God came down and took on the messiness of human life in the fullness of both proud lineage and humble beginnings being able to claim King David and Father Abraham as ancestors while being born into a family so poor they could barely even get a room in a barn, not in the inn, not even a bed, in which to give birth. Matthew is the one who gives us Emmanuel. What's interesting is the part that we didn't read because it's so boring and it's the part right before the Emmanuel section. If you open up the book of Matthew and you start at the very beginning, it's this litany of so and so begat so and so begat so and so begat so and so from Abraham, that 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 through all of these ancestors until we get to Jesus. It's Matthew's genealogy. Matthew wants us to know that God with us is something that happens in the context of who our people are and who our people have been. We know who God is with us because of who God has been with our ancestors. Matthew was strongly concerned about wanting to make sure every one of his readers believed that Jesus was the Messiah and his readers were a Jewish audience, okay? This is one of the distinct things about the book of Matthew in particular, out of the other Gospels. Matthew wants his Jewish audience to know that Jesus is the Messiah. And Matthew is overly helpful to this end. He's constantly saying things like, Jesus did this in order to fulfill the prophet Jeremiah who said, bah, 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 bah. he's like always connecting the dots for his Jewish audience so that your reader would say, oh, yes, well, and I see that Jesus must be the Messiah. Um, he kind of beats you over the head with it. One of the ways that he does that is through this genealogy where he lists all of these heroes. He lists the patriarchs, Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then a few more, uh, few more people, and then we have David, King David, and Solomon. King David and Abraham are like the biggest heroes ever of the whole faith tradition, and Matthew has them as Jesus' ancestors. This is like the ultimate way of saying Jesus is one of us. He is connected to the superstars of our tradition. You read on, and you will see how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this stuff that has come before us. That's what Matthew wants us to know. Now, I mean, for us, 2,000 years later, I think it's easy to be distanced from the startling impact of that claim. But think about it for a second, because this is what he's saying. He's basically saying, God is in your family tree. God is in your family. Now, I don't know about your families, but when I start thinking about the prospect of God showing up in the middle of my family, it's pretty hard to imagine how that could be possible. My family is messy. My family is messy. I know that some of your families are messy too. And the idea that God is in our family is going to show up as the fulfillment of our family. That's a crazy idea. And that is would have been crazy to, to the people then, those early readers. In my family, you know, we do have the, the stories that everybody tells, the good ones, right? You know, the proud war stories of the veterans who fought against Mussolini in World War II, or for the veterans who fought in the Northern Army in 1865, we talk about the intrepid settlers from Germany that relocated and came as far west as California in hopes of a better future for their children and their children's children. We talk about how my great, great, great grandfather was the one who introduced kindergarten to the state of California. Woo. Did you go to kindergarten in California? I went to kindergarten. See? And see where that leads, right? Thank you, great, great, great grandfather Fauché Sherfi, right? So, I mean, we talk about those stories. We're proud of that it's easy to look back on the highlights of my family and say, surely God was with some of them. Surely God was with them. For the early Jewish readers of Matthew, it must have been easy to look through that genealogy and say, oh yeah, God must have been with them too. I mean, God was with Abraham when he received God's covenant. God was with Ruth, another one on the list, when she declared her willingness to hold fast to her loved ones, to seek new family among new people. Then there's King David, like the big hero of the faith. Um, God was with David when David slew Goliath. He avoided the wrath of, of Saul and he became king. He paved the way for the temple to be built. It's easy to look back at the highlights of that faith tradition and say, yeah, God was with Them then. But the stories of our family members in faith are as complex and complicated as the stories of our own families. Father Abraham was indeed the prophet that God chose to covenant with, and he was a little crazy. Right, As his son Isaac can attest, he had a little bit of that religious zealot thing going on whereby he would have been willing to kill his son if he believed that God wanted him to. Any fathers resonate with that? I hope not. <laughs> Uncle Jacob, he was a liar and a cheat. He deceived his father and he stole his brother's birthright. Sister Tamar posed as a prostitute in order to seduce her father-in-law so that she could get some children. Rahab was a prostitute. Aunt Ruth, she kind of she, she seems nice, yes, but she was a Moabite. She married into the family... And it was really unseemly how she threw herself at Uncle Boaz on the threshing room floor when they first got together. It's a saucy book, (laughs) y'all. For real. And then there's little brother David, the favorite son who grew up to strong and handsome and mighty and victorious. And then even he fell from grace when he lusted after another man's wife and decided to have that guy killed. And then there's Mary, got pregnant out of wedlock. Let's just say she's a virgin, though. (laughs) We tend to remember the stories about our families in faith with the same kind of way that, that my grandma tends to tell stories about our family. We tell the highlights. We tell, we tell the easy stuff. It's easy to see where God is in the middle of the highlights. But apart from the heroic stories in my family folklore, there's also some difficult truths. They start to emerge if you dig a little bit deeper. Stories of violence behind closed doors. Stories of children being terrorized by abuse. Stories of slavery and the shame of having multiracial lineage in a racist society. Stories of mental illness that doesn't get fixed. Stories of depression. Even stories of suicide. When I look back on the low points of my family history, it seems unfathomable to suggest that God has been with us in the midst of all of that. It's much easier to see where Emmanuel, God with us, is when everything is going well. But where there is pain or shame or violence or abuse, it's much harder to believe that God might be present there too in the flesh somehow. So that doesn't make sense to many of us. But I'm reminded that God's ways are not our ways. That even in the midst of the messy, difficult family stuff that we've got going on that we would just as soon tuck away from God and everyone else, Matthew puts Jesus, Emmanuel, squarely in the middle of all of that. Right there in the middle of our family tree. Right there in the midst of the crazy and the ugly and the obscene and the beautiful, the frightening and the innocent. God is in our family tree, not in spite of the sin and the shame, but right there in the middle of it. Ready to birth new life out of what has been sorrowful and full of pain. The greatest idea of Christianity is that God came down into this world as one of us. This Emmanuel God shows up smack dab in the middle of our greatest triumphs and in our worst, most insidious failures alike. God is with us and among us. So like Joseph, let us be unafraid to welcome this God into our midst, into our families. For the child conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. He will save his people from their sins. And they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. May we receive God with open arms and open hearts. And may we forgive ourselves for the messiness that holds us back from fully accepting our God. Amen.